All right. Welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 46. Uh, season 5 Spectacular, aka era 1993 to 1996 era. Info, MCR, Caustic, and Light User, joined by Pip, Walker, Sage, and Tim, but probably not Sage. Pip, how are you doing? I am doing awesome, mate. I am top of the world. I heard that. I heard a rumour. And uh, Walker, how does life find you? Kit-catted and coffeeed up? Yeah, I'm uh, looking down on creation. Wow, it's it's good times, isn't it? How about Tim? Is he with us? Uh, he, he is, yes. He made strong and firm contact last night. Very good. Multiple times, no doubt. Um, and uh, Sage Temple, uh, internet woes. Who knows where he is? He's elastic bands, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, aye. yeah. Stories so far, four firm friends, Post, Pistols, Popsters, Witch Trials, Brammer, Burns, Brains, Dragnet, Riley, Scanlon, Hanley, Grotesque, Hex, Bloody Superstardom, Bricks, Wonderful and Frightening, Perfected by Languages, John Leckie, Pan Piper, Simon Rogers, TNSG, Funky Psy, Ben Sinister, Orange Ballets, Marsha Schofield, Orange Ballet, Friends, UK Chart Top 20, Contractual Obligation Seminal, Goodbye Bricks, It's the 90s, Fontana, Major Label, Extricate, Brahma, Welcome Back, Cold Cuts, Sequences, Fiddles, Flutes, Oboes, Craig Leon, Boo, Shift Work, Bye Bye Martin, Bye Bye Marsha, Hello Techno Fan Dave Bush, Keyboards and Computers, Code Selfish, Dropped from Major Label. And now, even in the midst of a midlife lull, a storm is brewing. And before it breaks, everyone, everyone will have been sacked. Infotainment Scan, LP15, 1993, Alternative Rock, Post Punk, Alternative Dance, Permanent uh, Record Label, and also a Matador in the United States. Uh, produced by Rex Sargent. Why don't we take a trip down memory lane, Philip, and give us a blast of some of the best hits of that record? Thin for Terment. Ooh. Edutopia. She was just played the vinyl. <laughs> just played the vinyl. She got all to do these ones. What's the specials?
salad instead In fact, you're a halfway You're from somewhere or other Why don't you bug off back to Saladin in Ireland Glamorate kid Glamorate kid My favorite I sold my car, throw in my job, I'm 34 years old. I think it's time I saw the world, they're not Australian. I sold my car, throw in my job, I'm 34 years old. Stephen George years old. With Terry, you can get flies cheap. Exactly. Very, very similar. <laughs> Apparently, a forsooth. It's a curse. Well, they forsooth. Who is that interesting hack over there by Gad? Verily. Cracks. Curse. Dislikes. It is almost like a pastiche of himself at this point, isn't it? <laughs> I don't Nice uh, early gurgling going on there. Early gurgling. Is that a little bit of Walked downstairs, brown leather jacket. Streets, spraying clean for a change. Must have been the way. Thought transference. And this man. Nothing worse than a bald-headed man. <laughs> Some sort of a soda complex. <laughs> 
person, and the person next to you is someone you hate. Well, 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 with me, I am up like this, all around, and inside left. All through the walls, it separates, look at us. Serial killers always abroad in my book, along with spangles and soccer books, riddles of old fogies, scuttling and Just think it just needs a bit of scar. This album, yeah, track. Off, off. the era of remix so that we, we had a nice little trek through the album but i think that's okay there's nothing wrong with that is it so line up uh marky smith craig scanlon steve hanley and funky cy Wilsoncroft, and uh techno fan dave bush it hit the uk album charts at number nine making it the highest charting album of all time and it was included in uh, the book 1001 albums you must hear before you die is clearly the best and most seminal of all fall albums. Philip, what is your take on the infotainment scan? I'll be honest with you, this week has been way more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. It's uh, it's another one of those slightly maligned periods, this, isn't it? But um, I really like infotainment scan. I think it's a great album. I think the songs on it are, are, are really good. Its strength is its weakness. It's described, I've seen several places, as the most accessible fall album. If I think if you had been living on a diet of early 90s pop, mainstream kind of output then this probably is your best way into the fall is the, the entertainment scan because it's it, there's great songs on it even where they do some of the signature awkwardness in the in the music it's there's nothing that's going to scare most people off it's a bit of a gateway drug entertainment scan isn't it to uh, to some of the harder fall stuff it's i was reflecting yesterday about how different it is listening to an album the experience of listening to an album as opposed to sort of these discrete tracks one by one 
one off it. And I do think the sum is much bigger than the number of its parts with this. I think it's a, it's a very enjoyable album to listen to. That being said, for folk like us who like that herder edge with things, it's there's nothing that kicks in this album, really. There's nothing that kicks through that sort of production. And I think if there is a golden thread that runs through today, it's going to be the production of these albums that we probably have the most to say about rather than anything else. But... I think in terms of a general showing, the songs are pretty solid on this album. I think the production is inoffensive, which is possibly its only drawback. And that's possibly the only bit of the fall that you're kind of missing really on this album. But uh, other than that, there's loads of stuff to kind of get your teeth into. And there's, there's loads of fun on the album. There's some great high points, both musically and lyrically. So for my money, this was uh, an enjoyable album to dip back into and listen to like that. But I think as we, in terms of this competition and putting track against track, that's where it's going to struggle a little. The actual quality of some of the songs is pretty high. I love it to curse service. I like Light Fireworks. It's one of the best kind of experimental ones, I think. Uh, love going to Spain, even though it's a cover. Uh, Lady Bird. Once you accept that you're not going to get that kick in the nuts and that gnarly Smith, you can kind of settle into it and be like, okay, this is gra- granddad with his slippers on before he goes, it launches well, back. In, album, a little bit before he launches back into his second act. Alistair, what about for you? What about it? Yeah, it's a, a good LP, isn't it? It's sort of hard edged pop music to me. Like Phil said, they're not really sort of pushing the limits really with a production. It's That's all like fairly standard and commercial sounding. But yeah, there's some good, some strong songs on there. And what's with the Peel Sessions? I think Peel Session 16, you got Lady Bird on there. And that was from 13th of March. 93 but like from this same LP you've got like you know like two Peel Sessions later so Peel Session 18 you've got Glam Bracket on there and that's like mm. almost eight later which is uh, strange choices but you know not like the fall ever made any of them in the in the uh, history some great songs I mean Lady Bird's Peel Session version that's brilliant really nice song Lost in Music the, the version you put on a YouTube playlist was hers because it was just like dead distorted bass and loads of hiss uh, I think it's just what Smith would have wanted Glam Bracket from June funny lyric and kind of like the, the nail in the uh, glitter band glam riff kind of thing with it that one to spin funny that always puts a, a smile on my face like it's just lots of cheese it's a curse which to me reminds me quite a bit of, of like Neu and it's a, you know the Operation Man foot one with the, lots, of, lots of German in there it's a funny song Paranoid Man decent jamming interesting lyrics Acid and the rock sort of stuff so it's in the, in the context of the music of the time I kept thinking about sort of the albums that were coming out around about 92, 93 and you know like you mentioned Glam Rocket before because I was thinking God this sounds like it's taking the piss out of Oasis but it's like it's, a, it's kind of a little bit before what I remember of that Britpop glam rock kind of revival. Yeah, it is actually it's that was probably like about two years later or something like that. But you know, it could it could have been a precog. But yeah, it's some, some like really good stuff. Not like the the housey piano kind of stuff on service. It's for me, it's the Dave Bush stuff kind of takes over a little bit at times, and they probably could have done an, an interesting LP with somebody else doing that kind of shit, and maybe less techno, more sort of like keyboardy stuff like Marshall used to do. But yeah, good old days. Not, you fucking love Marcia Scorfield, don't you? Admit do. it, Al. I do, I do. Got a crush. A sender of Valentine's card. The big her, isn't it? The big 80s her. Yes, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Although Oasis hadn't hit in 92, I don't think. People I swear had already had the... They were already coming onto the scene and there was this that, um, like a Bowie kind of revival. So who knows? Just They've it. always liked the glam stuff, right? 
you just got to like the shoegazing sort of stuff that you get Manchester the bubble burst with that one all the enemy and melody maker they're all looking for uh, what the new sound is and they decided it was um, doing it effects pedals which was okay you know people soon got bored of that there was a bit of a push for sort of southerny bands wasn't there at the time I, I seem to remember bands like Ride and things like that kind of coming through uh, there was a couple of decent bands there uh, Moose they, they were they were okay there's people out of them uh, I think played in Stereo Lab as well but yeah there was some decent sort of like indie sort of stuff out around at the time uh, it was kind of cutting edge or like at least taking a few risks rather than the, the just bland termas shite that Oasis used to do we are looking back over to America to the grunge scene that's just emerging and this album couldn't be further away from that considering you know Kirk Hobin and Thurston Moore were citing the fall as their their forefathers and then they put out this record which is the most poppy and, and inoffensive uh, fur it is a uh, contrarian but probably not by design so so Sage has thrown some stuff into the ring he doesn't like he's uh, going to be able to make it but he wants me to preface his things with a with a with a rant first off at the start of this podcast I Sage Temple claimed there was no such thing as a bad fall track that one may be contentious however after having listened to almost all of her albums I feel on firmer ground saying there are no bad fall albums of course here and there the odds and sods aren't that great I was quite sure I would take a firm dislike to at least one of these mid-period albums but to imagine my surprise actively liking and in some cases loving all of them angry from Manchester writes it's such an interesting Venn diagram of stabs at chart success keeping it weird sometimes mis- misguided and an appropriation of modern Muzak technology and production techniques and the irreducible fallness of it slash them some tracks are duff some are marred many are classic on all the albums post orange and up to and including caustic and then he goes on to um, to say what he thinks of this record infotainment scan is a great album as a fine case in point the wonderful open track ladybird awesome lyrics and music marred by a vile post collins gated drum shenanigans why infotainment is a super solid album it's a curse best fall cover in, in form of lost of music one of the best final tracks in the history of all albums before we get tim i'm going to throw a review at you and you see if you agree with what these fellas had to say sure this is live from um rate your music well it's certainly better than hex induction hour but i end up wondering why i'm listening to it Marky Smith apparently didn't stop being a bit of a tit in the 11 years between the two albums and I'm very aware that to truly enjoy the fall I'd have to start giving a shit about him and his opinions <laughs> well we can all agree that Hex Induction Hour is obviously the lowest point of the fall's career it's tragedy <laughs> wow that's a that's a unique type isn't it that one I don't think you do have to give a shit about Marky Smith's opinions <laughs> Lord Sage Temple has pointed out several <laughs> so no, I, I I think that's about as far from correct an opinion as you can have. Try this one then, Alistair. This is from Dallasol. I don't know where I found it. This is very special. He has the quality and casual confidence and urgency of Hex Induction Hour set to a modern, powerful, rhythmic setting. The program beats and other dance floor ingredients fully realized to awesome effects. The machines are now fully integrated into the sound and the backbone of the driving rhythms. All the material is essential, all excellently executed, but it's beyond the covers where the real infotainment lies. Well, well. 
well, well, it's just a lot of journalistic bollocks in it, though. <laughs> and all the stuff about Hex, like, you know, it's a completely different LP, completely different band, you know. It's, uh, Hex is uh, up there as one of my favourites, and uh, this is it's a good LP, but, you know, you should never be compared to that. Maybe compared to Extricate or, like, one of the more current ones, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, that, that was just somebody who, who likes words. It's a good album compared to, like, Stereophonic, maybe, but it's... Uh, I don't think it's a good album compared to Hex. It's, it's like comparing Vauxhall Conference with First Division, isn't it? It's not. It's not as good, is it? Yeah, this is interesting for me because this is one I... At one point, I only had about four CDs and it, one of them was this. So, learn to love it. Although I never liked Lost in Music until listening this week to that, to the live version, like giving it a few spins. Fun, exactly. <laughs> Best fall song. A good half of this album are absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it takes a while to accept that you're not going to get anything with teeth. It's just kind of like mild version of the fall. I think I just got to, got to like that version. I think if they had recurred a rawer version of it, I don't know if I'd liked things like Ladybird and It's a Curse as a service. Might not have worked without that. So who knows? Maybe it was a, a decision that um, they embraced for the best. What's Tim reckon to this album? First of the accessible fall albums that is actually decent. I much prefer the production and the musical approach here of the albums we covered last time seems more integrated and finished and at some points the sound is quite dense and subtle if you've been the covers maybe keep lost in music but i'm not totally convinced this is the first lp in our chronological survey in a while where i'm actually happy to just let it play from start to finish even the experimental ditty at the end is interesting good stuff good stuff yeah um, I don't know this Rex Sargent chap. I wonder whether it was how much he was brought on board for that kind of sound or whether that was just the way it kind of well, turned out. So it's on a little one called Permanent. And then they released on Matador because when they were on Fontana, I don't know if any of the albums actually got put out in America. I think this is the first one in a while that had an American release. That Pascal Pascal de Gray, is that the name of the chap who did the, that that series of, of album covers? Um, it kind of fits. It it kind of works as always. Buried in the Smith's lyrics, as we've found as we've gone through the songs. Maybe on, on some albums at this time, he did start to write things that are a little bit a little bit blander, a little bit more matter of fact. But I think it balances really well in in uh, on this one. It's a nice album, and I do agree with Tim. Listening to it front to back, I don't mind it at all except for Lost in Music, which I, I would get rid of. So basically then they carried on with a middle-class revolt, which is the same label, a year later, same producer, pretty much uh, everything except for the return of Carl Burns after 10 years away since uh, This Nation's Saving Grace. They haven't been on the team. But before we have a listen to some of them tracks, why don't we have a listen to a little bit of an interview from that uh, era? It's an American word. They talked first about the LP's title, Fertainment. It's an American word, which means a cross between entertainment and information. It's a word which is often used to describe television programs which combine fiction and fact. And Nick asked Mark to explain the title a bit more. Well, I, th- I think in uh, Europe in general, it's just entertainment masquerading as news, really. In all of Europe, you know, all, all the channels of TV and radio, it's like uh, crime or riot. Once used to be reportage, is now sort of uh, in between, you know. It's, it's like sort of titillating. It's, it's also very prurient as well. So you think the problem is that people get confused as to whether they're watching yeah, news or... Yeah, or, 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 a, or a show, yeah. 
I think it should be made quite clear, you know. Does that idea fit in with what I sense is a theme on the album, which is there's a lot of stuff about the early 70s. There's a lot of stuff where you seem to be criticising. Well, it's retro, yeah. There's a load of old rubbish. You turn on the TV now, and I'm seeing things that I saw when I was 16, you know. Uh, groups, for instance. Because it's cheap TV, you know, and it's cheap uh, radio, you know. You know, there's a lot of... There's not many interviews where he's talking specifically at length about the album they've just made, but, yeah, it seems like he did have a concept and to some degree for the album. Yeah, so I've not listened to the whole interview, which I will do after this, because that, that's piqued my interest. And it, it's, he sounds quite a bit more on the nose than he normally is. He's normally a bit obscure, isn't he? And, and, and sort of a bit deflecting around these things and deliberately sort of contradictory and things that he's saying to try and keep you on your guard. But I... I think uh, in terms of getting something in your crosshairs for satire or criticism and infotainment or what fake news is it probably called nowadays or you know it's that's still pretty prescient in terms of where the mainstream media has to package news in a certain way because it's all about ratings and figures and that type of thing. I think that's an, an excellent choice to kind of lampoon and, and criticise. Although how that actually appears on the album, I'm, I'm scratching my head a little bit. It's not really biting satire, is it, the album? Why don't we um, have a bit of a listen then to some of the tracks off the next one, Middle Class Revolt. Not an album that we have given a lot of love to, except for, as you like to say, there, Phil, yourself. I guess nostalgia points for me. Trying to risk him 
cover of War, but the others? I don't think so. I don't think so. Alistair, what do you reckon to this? Did you notice, was it obvious to you that there was a double drummer lineup again? It's not like really that obvious, no. It's not really that bad in LP. There's some quite strong songs on there, really. Uh, a couple of bits I'm not dead keen on, but generally, like stuff like Reckoning, I thought was like a really nice sort of chill tune. A uh, bit on the repetitive side, but you know, it's not like anybody's ever accused the fall of that before. Behind the counter. Again, about that, that was brilliant live. It's, it's a bit of a stomper, like, you know. If you took the shitty whistles out of there, it'd be better. Uh, but yeah, don't, don't confuse shitty whistles with shitty flute, who are uh, a very entertaining uh, act. M25, Pill Session version's fucking brilliant again. So, I mean, all obstacles, you got some nice vocal effects on there, just bits and noise chucked in there, which are entertaining. Reminds me a bit of the George and Mildred for some reason. Middle crap class revolt, so okay, fairly standard war, really nice sort of three, four timing going on in that one a nice little dirge A hey, student brilliant always reminds me of uh, Paul Calf you're not up to much there's a nice groove going on with that one uh, funny lyrics about funny hats I think Junkman nah, not too arse $500 bottle of wine not too arse uh, it's a bit pub rocky for my liking City Dweller uh, it's a well made song but there's no real surprises in there so it's like but I did like the versions that you just played then because they were all distorted which made them sound better the red one eh everything it was, it was got all excited <laughs> Ezra um, reckons uh, M. Sarah is the one I expected to hate the most but I took a massive shine to it even the satirical shit slinging masquerade's coffee table AOR number 15 ways took on a shine despite or because of the yucky surface sheen of post 80s high-end production technique it's a beguiling blend of whacked out and provocateur in the wine bar highfalutin crowded house wish wash it somehow wins so it seems like philip everybody is little by little coming around to your way of thinking i had a good listen again this week to a middle class result aka the vaporization of reality i couldn't see anything that suggested that um that Carl Burns was back on it. <laughs> 
those drums were not pushed to the to the front and center but yeah uh, that first half 15 ways reckoning behind the counter m5 surmount all obstacles and then you throw a war into that that is a very solid first half and I do actually like five hundred dollar bottle of wine. And what I really like is when he sings. He knows he can't fit all the words into the lines. He sings five hundred bottle of wine. Uh, but yeah, I've thought um, a real soft spot for this is is growing. And this was the same year that he went on the top of the pops with the Inspirals as well. So this was kind of um, they were out and about. Yeah, it's similar to the last one. It doesn't have the teeth. Although a little bit more, there's a little bit more that the rock uh, is coming back. Maybe there isn't yeah, I mean, such a thing as a bad fall album after all. Yeah, the Peel Session 17, which was sort of February 94, was pretty good. I've got M5 behind the counter, Reckoning and Hey Student on that one. It's a good, solid selection. Yeah, yeah, nice. Philip, go on, have your have your moment of glory. It's a similar story for me as it is for you with Infotainment Scan, really, just because it was, it was one of the albums that I had access to through uh, Wigan Metropolitan Borough Council Library. God bless them. God bless them, yeah. So I had it in my stash for a while. To my mind, this is just as strong, if not a bit stronger song-wise, than Infotainment Scan. It's it's just the, the problem with it is that certain voices in the mix just sound like you're listening to them with your fingers in your ears. They're just It's just a bit too muffled. The production's just a bit too layered in a in a bit of a cack-handed way so that there's not enough relief in these tunes. I mean, and I, I guess that's what you mean in terms of it not having teeth. It's got nothing sticking through to kind of get into your into your skin. But the actual songs themselves, I, I really write. I think there's some cracking tunes on there. I think the lyric is the lyrics are a very solid showing. I don't you like Junk Man, but I do. I think it's a, I think it's a good tune and I, I, I like the version of it regardless of how little effort they put into it. So what else have I got to say about this that I haven't already said countless times? Oh yeah, the only other thing I was going to say is the fact that out of all these, and I have enjoyed listening to these this week and giving them a good hearing, I've put Reckoning on loads of times, having done it last week as a, as a tune and just revisiting that and just, just how great that song is. And it's a, it's another one of those beautiful sort of murky, soppy tunes, isn't it? Where he's kind of lamenting his, uh, his broken relationships which will no doubt be featured in the, uh, the next album. A while back, you mentioned you were collecting a, a playlist of Soppy Smith. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Nice. I'd like to um, like to have a gander at that one day. It'd be uh, beautiful. We, we're 40 episodes into the 60 that make up round one, so we're a good chunk in. We've listened to a lot of these albums, the songs out of context, and yeah, this, this one doesn't hold together for me quite as well as Infotainment Scam, which really does feel like a cohesive piece it's a bit darker i think there's a bit more space between the instruments weirdly given what i've just said about the production but it does feel like there's a bit more negative space in some of these songs as opposed to the more i won't call it baroque but it's certainly more sort of tight-knit the sound it seems a bit more claustrophobic if it's going to me than this one. it's definitely that it's just like it's got a blue sleeve on it and the other one's got a yellow one exactly <laughs> What about uh, Timothy? Really shit. Reckoning behind the counter, M5 of War would make a decent EP. And if I remember correctly, at least two of those tracks were already released on Behind the Counter EP before the album launched. The rest is complete doggerel, bereft of ideas, sounds crap too. Things must have been going tits up around this time. Well, they were going tits up, weren't they? But... <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's just that 
yeah, the nostalgia. But, you know, it's like, are we just listening to this album through the lens of, of our youth and um, and giving it far too much credit? I don't think so. I think those songs stand up. I think there's, there's a bit of, certainly from my point of view, there's a bit of wistfulness in terms of, uh, you know, years far gone that <laughs> will never come back. At the same time, I, I still think that what you said to start off with is, is absolutely right. I think the first half of this album, I don't, I don't I think any criticism is very harsh. I'm quite the opposite, really, to you for this, because at the time, I think I was a bit more cynical about it. Because you're so old. You're, really, you're very old. I'm, I'm, I'm ancient, officially. But yeah, at the time, I was kind of thinking, oh, there's, there's better stuff out there. He was hearing it on Peel, you know, he was getting the Festive 50. Uh, you know, I was f- familiar with the songs, but they, they didn't really <coughs> do much for me then. And it's only like coming back and listening to them, you know, many, many, many decades later that, you know, you can hear the, some of the strength in some of the writing. Uh, like I was saying, Reckoning, absolutely amazing. This is the first one I got on board with in real time. So I remember I was at uni and I'd only been there a little while and uh, Behind the Counter came out and it was on the student radio and I, and I, I actually got into it. I knew the fall a little bit. This lad also gave me a tape at the same time, a lot of wonderful and frightening stuff on and uh, then he ran off to join the Scientologists. But um, but listening to Behind the Counter, it was the first... <laughs> Tom Cruise. Exactly. <laughs> he kept trying to give me these books, trying to get me in the sauna. <laughs> 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 it starts off with the books, you know, next day it's sauna, you know. Things that you know you're cooing about middle class reform. Exactly. <laughs> and you're, you're in Mission Impossible 6. Yeah, for it to be uh, listened to in real time. And then it didn't stick with me because the next two I, I must have completely checked out because it's only recently um, the next two records I've got any real knowledge of. Like I said, like user, I know almost nothing about. So I was well into these two, nothing for the next two. And then after that, from Levitate onwards, I was I was fully on board. But um, it is interesting. This part of the story starts to become very, very real. I, I'm I'm very similar actually in terms of my I think it's it's Marshall Suite really where I picked them back up again and started re-listening to them because I I've got no memory of cerebral caustic or um, light user syndrome. They definitely got because of the story because of Smith uh, and the, the brownies thing that went down with um, in between Levitate and Marshall Suite right that's when it, it really all went to shit and that that was all over the news for, like if you had anything to do with indie. indie indie music back then then Smith was all over everywhere yeah even though um, Marshall Sweet's a super weird one it was the one that a lot of people got back into especially because of that, that car commercial as well as, as all the other stuff it, but here's a couple of reviews let's see let's see what you think about this so Phil middle class revolt is a mess cluttered with half-baked ideas and rambling experimentation. On the face of it, no different to, different to the usual fall product, but here Smith sounds like he's coasting. Furious heart and soul of the man is hidden behind a curtain of lassitude and even worse, apathy. The attitude of it's another year, so I have to release another fall album. Fall have built a career on the ramshackle, but this is just plain stupid. So I think I know where they're coming from with this, but I, I think what they've taken as being apathy is probably more depression <laughs> from, from Smith, isn't it? 
Um, I think given where, what was going on and given some of his more reflective kind of lyrics and on the album, I think the guy was was struggling a bit at this point, wasn't he? And I, I, I think it's possibly one of the reasons why there's not that there's not that bite on this album. It's it's he's probably a bit too self-obsessed in that sense of ruminating over his problems and stuff that he's he's, he's taking the eye off the ball a little bit into the production on this album and and perhaps not as energetically creative as he as he perhaps normally would be. I, I can see why some people would think it's a bit formed in this album, but at the same time, I, I do think that's a bit harsh. And I think that with um, with a different sheen of production over it, I think it would have a very different reputation. So I do think the songs are strong. Yeah, I think that idea of labelling that it's apathetic or he's not trying hard enough, it doesn't matter, right? We had this a while back. It doesn't matter whether he's trying. It's just all that matters is what does it sound like at the end. And if it's not to your taste, fair enough. We've said many times that to dismiss it because of laziness is kind of missing, missing the point about rock and roll in general well it's like I, I tell you what that reminds me of is we've had conversations in the past about how the stuff that we've done together where people mistake aesthetic choices for laziness and sometimes he's making an aesthetic choice around these things isn't he it's that yeah. I, I don't really see it as him being i don't ever see him being lazy really it's just he's making slightly different aesthetic choices around things. Yeah, and he's not putting out an album. I mean, the seminal live maybe, but he's not putting out an album to just thumb his nose at people or just to get it out for a year. I don't think that's ever the case. Yeah, and I think that's that's key what you just said. Maybe he was just having a really hard time and this is the best. This is the most he could uh, summon up, but who knows? How about this one for you, Alistair? Middle Class Revolt is an extremely varied album. It consolidates the techno gains of Code Selfish and Infotainment Scan and leaves them both behind. There are three exclamation mark covers. The variety makes it an ideal fall album to introduce a band to neophytes. The fall is a, the most psychotic side here. And the album begins the most crazy and avant-garde period in their history. Just yeah, bear in mind that the next that's... album is Cerebral Caustic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with the review that it's varied, because uh, there's a bit of variety on there. Leaving behind the, the, the previous LPs, now, not in the slightest. It's all very much a, a, a similar kind of groove to it. Um, psychotic, incorrect use of the word, probably. And uh, no, it's, it's quite tame at times, really, isn't it? You know. Listening to this record, then putting Cerebral Caustic on immediately after it and just. Just having his mind blown by the the avant-garde stylings of things like <laughs> Rain, Rain Master and feeling numb. <laughs> like my goodness, he'd only listened to things that he'd heard in, in lifts before. All right, well, that's enough John Howard bashing. He previously the Prime Minister of Australia. Anything that makes me look bad, I cut it out. I leave all the stuff in that makes you look bad in, and everything, everything that, every mistake that I make is gone. So just put, put it on. Loop for us, like, yeah. Get that fucking bed! Cut out here, fucking speak up. Sorry, sir. Yeah, you offer a good observation. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, what, what, yeah what, what answers have I got? Got you. So, what are you saying? Are you saying, are you saying I'm, a, I'm a clever dick who's got no. who can moan about things? This is the populist sort of version of me. I don't, don't write songs that, that, that just complain. Yeah, what would you offer? What would I like in its place? 
Well, that, that, that's, you know... What? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think it's important that somebody should monitor these things. Your question is just the, the usual bloody thing, you know. Who's this smart aleck? That's what you're saying. I've got loads of solutions. I wouldn't want to put them in practice. I mean, we all, we all know our perfect world. But it's each to his own, isn't it? That's what you bloody need in this bloody country. If you were ever asked to write a manifesto, Mark, do you think you'd be able to do it? You used to do it. Yeah. Ten years ago. Did you, was it sort of kind of like an artistic manifesto or...? No political party manifesto. <laughs> what was the basis of it? <laughs> Kill everybody with glasses on. <laughs> Down. I used to be a communist, I'm sorry. Used to be a communist. That was ten years ago. Oh. Marky Smith, they're uh, going down the Pol Pot route there of uh, <laughs> political shenanigans. A clever clogs. He says, I've got loads of solutions, but I wouldn't want to put any of them into practice. I've got, I've got time for that, though. I, I think that there's... I always remember the Noam Chomsky thing where he says it's better to have a corrupt politician who you know exactly how they're corrupt rather than a zealot in charge. Because at least with a corrupt politician, you know that all they're going to be interested in is money. Whereas zealots, it is like the, the more Pol Pot kind of kill everyone with glasses uh, route to uh, to freedom that really is actual freedom at the end of the day. So being a fellow fan of Albert Camus and, you know, all murderers are from the same family. I've got a lot of sympathy for working out whether the juice is worth the squeeze with any big revolutionary manifestos that come in that tend to lead to more problems than solutions. Exactly. When you when you're pushing the beast's button, you never know uh, where the poop's going to come out. <laughs> is, is that a mouthwash? <laughs> yeah, that's the last thing he screamed as he was he set off on his jet ski. <laughs> so let's have a listen to Cerebral Caustic LP17, 1995, post punk. <laughs> Don't be, don't be nice about it. Just be. 
first festivities I'm feeling numb now From a reminiscent project Yeah, it kind of tits
what? This is uh, this is making its way back into my heart as well. Let's see what Ezra has. Cerebral caustic sees the group seeing the errors of their ways, but somehow unable to convincingly course correct. Too much under the influence of the US alt-rock miasma. He does have one of Brix's best tunes and a few numbers of note. Aphid, numb, pine leaves, but a disturbing amount of trash. The massacre of life just bounces should never have been allowed to happen. Messes Voxes on the joke need to be buried without trace. <laughs> Don't call me is irritation in its purest form. <laughs> we know he does not like the sentiments behind joke. And actually, there's a the next clip, the next interview is not going to make him happy. Yeah, Alistair, the cerebral caustic. What do you reckon? I think it's an improvement on the previous two. Again, a, a mixed bag. You know, the stuff that sounds like it could have benefited from it if they'd taken a bit more of an imaginative approach but then the stuff that is dead imaginative so you got like the joke which is just sounds like a sonics tune don't call me that jill's piano that's that's what kills it for me on that it's just unforgivable uh, rare master it's like mechanical sounding some nice noises decent feeling numb i thought sounded a bit like the clash or something like that and pearl city uh, i think it's the synth in that that just that reminds me of the, the back end of rock lobster i'm not satisfied cover okay airfit a uh, nice garagey sounding tune and also good for taking a green fly with grizzly stuff bonkers in phoenix very nice yeah they should have done more stuff like that really i think one day decent tempo effort you know it's it's garagey uh then you got the sheep chaggers from bolton uh, so he's getting silly on the, the lp as well which is uh, amusing to people with childish sense of humor like himself and pine leaves which is a great example of deliberately sabotaging a song with uh, with brass synth because it's like quite a nice tune and bringing this uh, stuff that sounds like it belongs on the uh, theme from starfleet but uh yeah it's more more of a punky distorted kind of guitar I mean, it's, it's still quite a, a varied LP so it's like I said improvement on previous two but it's it's still got its low points for me it just can't come back from that initial barrage after the joke starts off really strong I don't like homie darling Rainmaster feeling no more Pearl City and once you've had four duffs in a row after that it's great life just bounces the aphid bonkers in Phoenix is awesome I don't mind one day pine leaves is beautiful we've had the argument about the synth brass already but second half Similar to I said, middle class revolts. First half, the second half of cerebral caustic, and the the way that Mez's Vox is treated all the way through, um, really gnarly. Um, I like it. I don't think the gnarliness is matched in the in the music quite as much. Um, I would have liked it to have been. How do you say in English? In <laughs> the red. <laughs> I would have liked that a bit more, but I um, I actually have a soft spot for the second half of this record, but that first side of the joke, oh, no. Philip, what about this one? I like what Ezra said, actually, at the start of his comments there about it's it's an unconvincing course correct, because I, I, I think that pretty much nails it, really, for me. It's a bit tough to love as an album, isn't it? I think there is too many missteps on it. I'm, I'm perhaps not as harsh on the first half as... As you are, I, 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 things like Rainmaster, I don't mind. And the joke, I think, is I, I think is a solid fall tune. I don't, I don't have the the same issue that uh, Ezra and Invisible Tim Twa had about that tune. But at the same time, it's the B 
biggest disappointment about this album is that you get to hear what you've been missing for a while, which is that lovely cut through of Brix's voice and, and guitar, which I do think the previous two albums missed. There's something about the fall sounds to me, which is very similar to like the Pixies sound, which is you've got, it's a mixture of male and female vocals going on with it and, and kind of masculine and feminine like ideas floating around in the music. And when they, when they get that going, whether it's Eleni or Bricks or Nagel or whoever these, these different musicians are getting, it needs something to lift it from time to time. It needs something to cut through that morass of noise and mangled words and stuff. It kind of needs that sweet and sourness going on in the music to, to really kind of hit the high points. And there are high points on this album. There is good stuff, but it, it, they're just a bit fewer and far between. To echo Ezra again, where, where they do find the teeth, it's not as convincing as it normally is, and it's not as it's not as clever and nuanced as it normally is. It's a bit blunt and a bit and a bit boring at times. I wondered if that was a concession, if that first half was some concession to Bricks, but she's usually pretty sharp on song choices. Yeah. On paper, you got Smith, Bricks, Scanlon, Hanley, Funky Sai, Carl Burns, and Techno fan Def Bush. That should be a, a tour de force, but Bush plays no part. He was sacked. And Noel's chemical effluence, which we heard early on before, really had a lot of context of the Dave Bush era. It makes a lot more sense when you go back and listen to him raging against Dave Bush for whatever reason, whatever reason that was. It turned out to be the beginning of a period of considerable turbulence for the group, having not dismissed anybody since 1990. He sacked uh, Dave Bush shortly after the album's completion and then between this album and the next one that's when Scanlon went as well while they were trying to knock out the Chiselers but they were both on this um, album Brick said uh, the artwork if the LP is not the worst fall album it definitely has the worst cover art when I see it now the skull clown is Mark it's prophetic he looks like a fucking skull and he acts like a fucking clown it's him it's life imitating art how about try this one for a review Alistair okay um, just like you two returning in the noughties with their big guitar rock comeback album having spent the 90s losing fans by the droves with their electronic music, so have the fall with their most direct and hard-rocking material they'd composed in years. Cerebral Coast, the most exciting fall album in years. Forget all that dancey disco crap. The fall are back where they belong, bringing the noise with a dozen hard-hitting headbangers. There's practically no filler here. Well, it's a, a very kind review, isn't it? And probably by, again, a, a lazy journalist who can't reference anything more relevant than you two. Uh, hard rocking, I suppose it was in comparison to, you know, previous LPs, but times it's lacking. Uh, it's, it's, it's not not all he was cracking out of this. Aye, so this is Rich Kidd, who, who actually Stefan mentioned last week, I guess, had something to do with the early fall website or something. Even now, as I pull out Cerebral Caustic from the bottom of my tottering pile of fall CDs, a ripple of depression washes over me. Do I really have to play this again? Isn't there some better way I can spend 40 minutes? I came away with a vague impression of twangy song after twangy song. Was this some kind of parody? A lot of the blame could be the production. Drums, let's flatten them to a cardboard sound. Guitar. How about reducing the rhythm guitar to sludge? And what have they done to Hanley's thumping bass? Terrible to criticise a fall album on the basis of production, I know, but it sucks the life out of this album. Thank God I love the liner notes, otherwise I would have microwaved this fucker. What do you reckon to that, Philip? 
Yeah, I, well, I'm sympathetic about the comment about Steve Allen's bag. It does feel like it's playing um, a second fiddle role in, on this album rather than being upfront and personal like it norm, normally is on the on the stronger albums. Have we heard from Tim? Another shitter. There are a couple. <laughs> Passable numbers, which we've already talked about, and then a lot of weak and annoying wastes of whack. The sound is terrible, like MCR, and there are some really questionable decisions, like Brix's Vox on Don't Call Me Darling. I think Brix's return here is not a good influence for the band's already dodgy output with no good ideas to counterbalance her influence. You can't listen to this one from start to finish. Aye, aye. Well, before we move on to the last album we're going to look at this evening, which is Light User Syndrome, let's have a little bit of a listen to a, uh, an interview he gave around this era with um, famous indie journal journalist Caitlin Moran. Are you a small kid? No, a big softie. Yeah. A very ultra-sensitive person. What makes you laugh? Bernard Manning makes me laugh. Are you being serious about Bernard Manning or are you just being amazingly sarcastic? No, I think it's funny. You can tell jokes, you know. Yeah, but I mean, his views are absolutely appalling. Appalling? Yeah, the stance that he takes on women. Well, I've noticed. Hmm. Bernard Manning! He's amazingly misogynist. Is it? We've been here last night. Ooh, we had a bird on here last night, a stripper, did this splits over a Guinness bottle. Cost a big fortune, lost 14 kg of Guinness up to now, It's good to have a laugh at things like that. Yeah, but don't you think for something more dangerous and insidious than that? That he's No, he's saying, he's, what he's saying is laugh it off. Because if you live in that part of Manchester, you'd never even see a woman. You know, why doesn't Ben Elton tell any racist or sexist jokes? Because he knows it's a dangerous because, thing. No, because he do not fucking know any. <laughs> I'm sure if he wanted to, he could buy a book. Hey, Yeah, you, you tell me something funny, Ben Elton said, I'll give you a thousand pounds. Tongue in cheek, who knows? Five years in what? Let's have a listen to light user syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one thing that was interesting about Cerebral Caustic is that none of the songs on that LP were on appeal session. They knew as they knew as much as we did. No, no, there's one called Numb at the Lodge. They did fill in numb, right? Didn't hear any of that, Brendan. Me, internet was playing up. Fair enough. Kel said some terrible things about you. <laughs> Oh, 
chiselers. He's desperate. Passed on. The ninth, Richards. Oh, well, well, Philip, what do you make of this record? Well, this is where the course correction kicks in, isn't it? And we feel a real return to form on this album. It's a, it's a bit of a treat, really. It's it's like everyone's back in the room. Bricks is really, really marshalling the band. You've got Smith completely focused and delivering some of his some of his best lyrics, I think. And the band sound great, not only in terms of tight, rehearsed, gigged, roadworthy, kicking the tires, all everything seems tickety-boo, but the production itself as well is really in your face all the way through the album. It's great. Everything's snells and growls the way it should do. Everybody sounds energetic, uh, like they're throwing themselves in. It's inventive. We hear stuff that we've never heard before, the ballad of Jay Drummer, stuff like that, where he's they're trying new things out. The uh, Not all the experiments work, or at least they're trying new stuff. Really good combination of programming and analog stuff. The songs he pet, which we've cooed about countless times, obviously kicks through and is a is a beast of a tune. But right from the off, I think DIY Me is rapidly becoming one of my sort of favourite tunes. With it's so simple and stripped back, and everything that you kind of love about the fall. Um, but it's got this freshness about it. It's got this kind of this is nineties fall. This is not this is not a post punk band. This is this is a band very much of the of the period that they're coming out of now in the in the mid nineties. And all the influences are there, and it feels competent and confident in a way that we've not heard really on the last few albums that we've been talking about so yeah it's a big double thumbs up awesome this this album it's it's great there's a couple of missteps on it for me but you're more than willing to forgive one or two duff tracks for a, for a collection of stuff that just reignites your passion for the band again so yeah brilliant album. yeah absolutely um so many top-notch tracks on the heap app of course yeah diy meet powder keg i love cheatham hill and and nagel's influence there at the end of uh, on last chance to turn around and succession man that's definitely nagel coming in and and that's the first little hint of where they might go they, I mean they didn't go in that direction I mean that that full on pop kind of like synthy pop stuff whatever was happening with Bricks in that first album where she came back the last one Serial Caustic it just didn't click like you're saying it all just fit into place here the songs are strong and the performance is strong the production's strong it's um, it's a it's a splendid album and I would like again to extend my uh, thanks to the whoever bought these records into the Wigan Library service because i remember this one very much being there on the racks i must have borrowed it a good few number of times and then wiped it from my memory for for a bunch of years but i remember it being there because it just the cover just does not look like a record that i ever want to listen to it's it's one step up from the reformation cover but it's not much better than that it looks um, like it's been done by a professional wedding photographer doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> just some random on the phone 
It certainly does. Bricks looks like Ozzy Osbourne on the cover for that. Now. <laughs> Everybody else frightened. Cecilia Nagel looks like Noel Gallagher. <laughs> That's it. I didn't clock that that was Bricks the first time I looked at it. And I thought, who's that lad sitting down there next to, uh, like a, that tiny very lad Mancunian, next to... very Mancunian, isn't it? It's all very Mancunian. <laughs> it's all very Mancunian. Well, it's weird you say that, because for my, for my money, it's the women on this record that really do the heavy hitting with it. It's, they really reinvigorate the sound. Brix's guitar playing on it. And I know we had a bit of an argument yesterday about guitars on this album, but going through, I can only go off what's recorded on, on the internet and now the credits kind of pan out on the tunes. But for my money, I think Brix is really on form on this record. I think she really, really comes out the gates with it. I think her guitar playing is excellent and it's really well recorded. It's got that grit in it that's uh, that, that suits her sound so well. So apparently she claims that Smith was absent from most of the recording and he rocked up on the last day and recorded almost all of his vocals in one day. I don't think that holds true because there's some other stories that say, but it, maybe that's the focus nature. He turned up and he's like, I'm just doing these all. And he went from all in like one or two takes. And I don't think they'd reached the point where they were chopping it up in Pro Tools, but there might have been a little bit of manipulation to get it uh, to get it as tight as it, it kind of was. And I don't know whether Nagel with their kind of production nous as well um, had a hand in that because it's interesting they're both in the group for this one album and Nagel doesn't have a, as much of an influence but she has some for sure but her influence over the next probably three records is huge and it's interesting to think of what would have happened if Bricks had stayed because those next three of Levitate, Marshall Sweet and Unutterable are some of the weirdest and non-Fawley sounding fall records. And you can just imagine that they might have just knocked out four or five solid records after this, but Bricks going along with everybody else very soon after. Uh, force, this, this is kind of, for me, the end of the first half of the fall. This is the last record in that first Bricks, Hanley, Scanlon, Burns kind of era, which lasted a fucking long time and was... <laughs> absolutely unbelievable like you know 18 albums all of them with some elements of genius i was thinking about this myself yesterday in terms of how many bands at this so what's this 96 is it yeah right in 1996 how many bands would you be able to name we've done 18 albums it's really no mean feat and you're probably thinking about like jazz musicians and stuff aren't you who were just essentially living in the studio putting albums so there's not many bands that you'd think about is that have knocked out that many albums. Cardi Barroises and Robert Pollard are known for being very prolific, but the difference between Bob's stuff, and it's it's great, it's wonderful, but it, it's very, very similar. There's even, there's not as many lineup changes, but the ones that do change doesn't really affect the sound. The fact that they change so often, and it's not really evolution, it's just change. The fact that it just changed so often and still stay good is, is remarkable. Well, you, I don't know about bands, but I mean, like Billy Childish, who shits something out every every other week, didn't he? Uh, and you've got like sort of like Japanese noise artists like Merzbo and the Merzbox things. Uh, I don't know if you count those as like separate LP 
piece, like, but there was a, there was a couple of them and lot, lots of vinyl in, in those uh, yeah. beauties. Uh, Todd Rundgren, who I'm kind of a big fan of some of his 70s stuff, he was putting out one or two albums a year. Neil Young, you know, an album a year pretty much for decades. Miles Davis, I mean, the, he's the daddy of them all from the late mm-hmm. 50s to the mid 70s, at least one or two albums a year, constantly evolving. But yeah, there's not many and there's not many that knock it out the park so often. Yeah, I mean, I've thought a lot about what, what other bands could we do this podcast on. And there was a, there was a list this morning on, I was reading some songs, all, all Smith songs in order. And I was like, oh, okay, there's only like 75 Smith songs, all in all. Here's I think a, I wanted to do one of the Stone Roses. This, <laughs> do you want to do Stone, Stone Roses uh, showdown? That wouldn't take quite as long, would it? Although I did look into it at one point. If you collect everything, there's a fair, there's a fair few tracks, outtakes and singles and stuff, but it would, it's not quite a, a fall level here's a here's a quote for you uh, philip from personal quote it obliterated my memory of love for the fall the do what you want approach of mikey smith towards the rest of the band did not pay off this record is pitiful <laughs> who's that by craig scanlon <laughs> see scanlon manchester yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's a million miles off the mark isn't it it's was it a conversation you were having yesterday where you were saying that you can do what you want as long as it's as long as it's what mark wants Cal. pretty much right yeah yeah so I, I i don't really buy into that attitude i don't i don't think he is laissez-faire about what people come and do he, he wants to see what you can do but he'll tell you which bits of it you're supposed to be playing yeah so it, it was a funny story, and I think it was Craig Scanlon said it on the over other stuff. So the song "A Pass Gone Mad" it, off the infotainment scan, it's it's got the word "passable" in brackets. Pass gone mad, passable, and that's because they would at that point the three of them, Hanley, Scanlon, Dave Bush, would go to Dave Bush's house and record stuff and send him tapes, and he would just say, "This is all rubbish. None of this is good." And then he wrote back, he put the word "passable" on that song. <laughs> that is, it's like they they would just make like loads and loads of tunes and send it to me he would just dismiss them all it's like it's, it's not even at least in the early stuff he was in the studio telling them and guiding them this is like you go and record for a month and i'll tell you if any of the stuff you do is is good <laughs> but what's interesting is and i don't know for this one how much he had a say in the music because if he did rock up on the last day and just drop his lyrics on everything i don't know if they played a bunch of it live before or whatever but but clearly clearly he was okay with everything that was on there i'm i'm curious to kind of type the conversation going on between smith and bricks at, at this you know for these couple of years whilst they're doing these albums and, and gigging and stuff because it was it was obviously amiable enough for them to kind of work together but at the same time you wonder if mark's on his best behavior a little bit and whether bricks is just kind of rolling her eyes but keeping her mouth shut a little bit around behaviors a little bit because there's a bit where she was asked to join hole and she turned down hole to join the fall and then um, so she definitely wanted to have a go and she and the deal was that she would fly in from la when they were recording and doing gigs but even so she quit in the middle of this tour she said he's drinking a guy out of hand and then he did say he's drinking was that would is one of his worst points at this point and that's why he regrets sacking scanlon for uh, not upkeeping his 
maintenance of these musical instruments or whatever it was in the end. Here's what to look after these strings. Exactly. This is what Ezra had to say. Light years the syndrome is where it finally all started going right. The well-worn axiom that the first fall album you hear is always your favourite. I first heard the Chiselers, then heard Hex. So Light User Syndrome is my second best album by default. It's strange. I'm not sure if the ratio of bangers to bombs is that far different from what preceded, but there's a holistic quality to the sound that makes it very much a fall album by the fall sounding like the fall, while what was preceded could be described as the fall trying on various miss-sized hats. I'm tempted to point my haggard finger in the direction of Julia Nagel, who was on board for this one. The way they used electronics in the early days was marvellous. The cheapest synth in the shop combined with the prole concrete of Mez's well-worn dictaphones. When Lecky came on board, there was more vocal and guitar effects and more collage sound over the top, but it was still the fall. The introduction of sequences of drum machines and cold cuts never sat convincingly in the mix. Honourable exceptions, though there are. However, Nagel nailed it, and the alchemical marriage of the fall sound and synth brass was well burnished from here on out. The album is as sick as a tramp and as deadly as a marimba. As a mamba. Marimbas are only occasionally deadly. Alistair, what do you reckon to uh, like user syndrome? Again, it's it is uh, an improvement. It's not perfect, right? You know, but it's quite interesting. That it's a double LP because they didn't do too many doubles. I don't think it, it was a good mix on there. You got like DIY, which is all the uh, fun self cannibalisation stuff. Uh, you got the, the absolutely amazing Succession Man, which never fails to put a, a smile on my face. And you got some like more kind of experimentally kind of bits on there that Phil alluded to. Uh, which kind of like made me think that we were going down a bit of a, a Swans Deadkin dance type uh, path. But there's bits on there that are kind of just like meh. Well, spine track. I was thinking, you know, that the drums are too busy for too long. It, it needs to sort of like take a, a, a deep breath and just give it a bit more space. I mean, you got like the, you know, Viva Last Press Witch stuff on there, Glam Bricksy stuff. And I, checked, I was watching a Monkey Business last night by a Marx Brothers film, and uh, it, it, there was a point in that where somebody got called a chisel. Uh, which amused me but yeah it's 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 not a bad LP not as taken by he peppers is usually just reminds me of this age too much like but yeah there's some really good strong uh, songs on there but I think Ezra's right it does hang together as an album really well but I I could easily get rid of Coliseum and um, Oxymoron the ringing out guitars in Coliseum, Brendan. Is that is that why you get rid of that? Because you're prejudiced against it. I am prejudiced against it, but but I think uh, no, no, it, it's, it just doesn't go anywhere. There's a few, like you say, spine track Coliseum and um, uh, and maybe that um, oxymoron. But um, there's a good solid set there. Once we've heard from Tim, we're all done and dusted here. So Phil, what's um, what's Tim say about this one? A bit bloated with unnecessary filler and unwanted cover versions, but the core of this album makes it a classic. Much better sound, straightforward and punchy. Mez has much more bile and spit, and the more experimental moments are actually worth listening to. There's an electric atmosphere too, sinister and angry in a lot of the material. I recall reading some horrible shit that was happening in the band at this time, and I remember reading about some awful live performances too. But this album, when removed from all that stands up better than any of the last eight or so records for me, I find more to enjoy here than in any record since Bend Sinister. Glad to be moving into the next few eras of change in the next special where things get murky and rough. Ambitions for mainstream success in a ditch. Beautiful. Yeah, I think they'd... Um... 
jettisoned any idea of, of any mainstream success by this point and definitely going forward. So that's it for our fifth special. We've, we've now looked at uh, the first 18 of their albums. Feels like we should have a fanfare at the halfway point, doesn't it? Heck of a journey. But, uh, well, there was no fanfare for them, just a whole bunch of um, sour grapes and sackings and... Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's where we need to go. We're all fired. Next week, we'll do our non-fall special. So watch the bunker for the rules. And um, I shall see you all um, later. Have a rest after this marathon. Okay. Enjoy your weekend.
Look at us, 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 look at us